as Jai said, the Bible reading tonight is from 1 Corinthians, uh, starting in chapter 1, verse 18, and reading through to chapter 2, verse 5. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Ethan. I'm one of the pastors here at Sorrow Church. It is a, with great pleasure that I get to open uh, this passage, this next part in our series in 1 Corinthians. Uh, today... I get to talk about that quite spicy line at the start of that Bible reading. The, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I think that's a really, really big verse. Uh, and is uh, Paul's big idea as he looks at this next little section uh, this plays a part in the big, grand structure of the book of 1 Corinthians, and if I was to go into that, I would be talking for an hour. So I'm going to try really hard to not go into the big, grand structure of 1 Corinthians, because we'll get there as we go. Um, but if we, were, 
If we were sitting here, we could be jumping between this and, and, and 1 Corinthians 15 and, and going into all this uh, big, deep stuff. But this text is, has enough in it uh, to, to, to sit alone, which is shocking. Uh, I was scrolling through and doing some reading and, and finding things online, and uh, there are a whole bunch of sermons on this verse alone, not all the other stuff. And I get the opportunity to talk about the other stuff as well. Uh, so I'm really excited. Um, and if you're wondering where I'm going as I go, keep reading this, keep your Bibles open and read this over and over again, because this is what I'm talking about the whole time. Uh, I'm going to pray, uh, and then we're going to get into looking at this passage. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have this opportunity to dig into your word. As we hear from it now, may you speak through me. May you open our ears to hear what you have to tell us and open our hearts to receive what you have to change us. Amen. In all honesty, Christianity can seem a little far-fetched sometimes. Ah, look at this service, for example. If I was someone, I personally grew up in the church. I've spent a long time uh, in church. And so I walk in and I am not phased by the fact that there are people singing to the God of the universe. I am not phased by the fact that just then I got up and I said, I, I prayed, which is me saying I talked to the God of the universe. I prayed that he would speak through me. I prayed that he would help you listen. I prayed that he would work on your hearts. If you're not used to this Christian stuff, I could imagine it seeming a little odd. If you uh, rock up on a Friday uh, to our gathering that we have on a, on a Friday night, we have to get up every week from the front and explain why we sing and explain why we pray. Because it's weird. And there's heaps of non-Christians who have rocked up from different schools around the place who have no idea what's going on. Because often, what we do is a little bit different. And it's a little bit odd. I went through high school at Kiriwi High, uh, and uh, there wasn't very many of us Christians uh, hanging around. Uh, I was a bit of the, I was a, I was a bit tokenistic, which meant that uh, I could have many, many conversations with my friends about Christianity. Uh, and those, those conversations often looked a little bit like this. Uh, one of the boys would turn to me and say, Christianity is dumb, often full stop, but sometimes that would be followed up by a, look at these YouTube videos, right, where clever people roast Christians in, in, in big debates. And I would watch those videos. And clever people would sit in a room and they'd be clever against each other and um, none of, no one would really listen to each other at all, uh, and it wouldn't be really helpful for anyone involved. I'm sure there's a lot of really helpful uh, debates out there uh, on the internet. None of those were shown to me in high school. Uh, they were all the, the unhelpful, frustrating ones. Um, but I would say something in response, something about that being unhelpful or, or having different responses, but at the end of the day, often it would just turn to us going back to playing handball or video games because high school. Uh, another line I would get uh, is a little bit more intense. It was, uh, Ethan, your faith is a silly crutch that you lean on because you're scared of death. And 15-year-old me sitting there eating his peanut butter sandwich uh, at lunchtime, wasn't stoked to hear that one. I was just a... Uh, I'll let that one go to the keeper and we'll, we'll deal with that another day. Because uh, often when I tried to deal with it, it just didn't work. It was just, 
again, high school. Um, I would love to deal with it now, and that would be very fun to talk about. Uh, however, not the context. Um, and there was another kind of conversation, and the last one I'll use as an example, is the, the question of, or the, the, the statement really, of if God was real, he'd rock up right now. The, the he'd make a really, really hot burrito, or uh, genuinely, or he'd just blow up the school, uh, or something like that. Um, but the gist, of, the gist of those kind of points were, if God was real, why wouldn't he just come down and show himself? Which, despite, and, and despite talking lightly about these, uh, these conversations, I do want to say that they were real and honest perspectives. Uh, that if you hold those, any of those tonight, that's okay. And that's fantastic because you're here and I get to respond to those uh, better than I did when I was in high school, hopefully. Um, but what I did do was, when I was in high school was attempt to respond, to be honest, in the same way tonight. I would talk about what Christians believe. However, what Christians believe does seem a little bit weird sometimes, so it didn't often help. Christians believe in a carpenter who 2,000 years ago stood up in front of a group of people and kept saying the same thing. He would say, repent and believe the good news. He said that he was God and he seemed to back it up with miraculous feats like healing blind people and casting out demons um, and controlling the wind and waves. That carpenter was a man who was loved and hated for what he said and did. He was, sorry, he was loved because of what he said and did, and he was hated because of what he said and did. The big sticking point in those two points, in the hating bit, was that he claimed to be God, and so despite not doing anything wrong legally, and as Christians, we believe, never doing anything wrong ever, he was strung up and killed as a criminal on a cross, and three days later, he rose again. This is what Christians believe. And because they believe in that, they believe that they can go to heaven with Jesus. And all they got to do is what Jesus said at the start, repent and believe. Which is what Jesus has been saying the whole time, repent, being turn away from our rejection of God and believe, and saying sorry, and believe in him, believe in Jesus. The Christians in this room believe everything I said to be true. And honestly, though, if you don't believe in the truth and love of Jesus, it all can sound a little bit far-fetched. Particularly some of the things that Jesus did, like walking on water and feeding 5,000 with just a few loaves of, uh, loaves of bread and some fish. You know what Paul's saying here? Back to that, back to that verse on the screen, verse 18. Uh, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The whole story... No matter what else is happening in the Bible, the whole thing revolves around the cross. And what Paul is saying here is all that other stuff, that sounds far-fetched, just you wait. The bit that's important is the cross. And that, that just sounds wild. Uh, in the original language, the word foolish uh, has, 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 has grown and changed over time and from the original word, we get the word moron. 
Yeah, right? <laughs> so that's kind of the insinuation there. So why would we believe... Um, yeah, so it all comes around that. So why, why would we believe in and serve a bloke who was strung up on a cross like a criminal and how could he come back? Because once you're dead, you're dead, right? 2,000 years later, we sit in a factory or in our lounge rooms at home. Hello to everybody online. Sorry, I didn't say that earlier. Um, uh, in our lounge rooms at home uh, or... Um, and anyway, uh, 2,000 years later, we're sitting here with all the YouTube and all the, all the wisdom of the world at our fingertips on demand, of course, we'd find this story a little odd. So just to surmise, what I've said so far is that the modern Western teenager, the modern Western mum or dad or suburban worker, or the, the list goes on, the modern person finds the gospel of Jesus strange. And the Bible says... That's okay, because it was already happening 2,000 years ago. Read with me in verse 22 and 23. Uh, she'll come up on the screen. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. 2,000 years ago, Corinth, the city uh, that is being written to here, looked just like Kirawi High. And probably a lot like your social circles now. Just like my friends, the Jews demanded signs and the Greeks in the city looked for wisdom, not in YouTube debates, but in clever teaching and public debates that would be happening at the time. Um, that actually ended up probably being very similar to the ones I was shown now in the 21st century. They're looking for those things. They're looking for signs and they're looking for wisdom and Paul doesn't give them either. There's no empirical demonstrations of power or, or proper persuasive argumentation, no wisdom. Instead, verse 23, we preach Christ crucified. Paul says, look at the cross. And the people around him kind of tilt their heads and they pay him out and they try and kill him or throw him in jail or kick him out of town. Pretty intense reactions and a little bit different to the ones I would get. But that was their response to this message. And so while this verse is up on the screen, let me, let me ask a few questions. Why was it a stumbling block for the Jews all those years ago? Well, uh, the Jewish people at the time were being told uh, that the Messiah, the Saviour who they've been promised, wasn't a warrior king, but a man who was strung up like a criminal. The cross, and I listened to a really cool podcast on crucifixion that I can tell you about after, uh, if you want to listen to it, it's fantastic. Um, but I learned in that podcast that the, the cross, the Roman cross, was a shame symbol. The Romans used it as a tool, uh, as well as being uh, a, a killing thing and a, and a torture thing. It was a tool to, to hang up someone up and say, look, we have won, we have conquered crime, or we have conquered this city, or, we, or, or this nation. That was one thing that they would do with it. Or they would string someone up and they'd, they'd hang them up on the cross and they'd say, look at this person. You don't want to be like him. Don't cross us or you will end up like him. So they're the two, they're the two responses that uh, the Romans were doing. And so the Jewish people know this and they look at Jesus on the cross and they're like, no, that's not my Messiah. It's not the person who's been promised to me. This is a powerless, foolish man. 
And God wouldn't save us like that. You see, the Jewish people wanted a saviour. But their saviour was supposed to take them away from the Romans with a sword or, and, and a cry of revolution. But the cross wasn't giving them that. The cross is leading them to revolution, leading the revolution against sin and death itself. The Jews didn't like that. While this this verse is up there, I'll ask the same question, but for the Gentiles, the people who are not Christians. What's foolish in the context of the Corinthian church, it's foolish because it doesn't make sense for their worldview. None of this computes. You see, they had two main focuses back then. They had reason, which was their main thing, initiated by Plato about 400 years earlier, and their religion, which was a, um, a pantheon of gods. And those gods, if you know anything about them, were glorious. They were flawed sometimes, but they were glorious. And one defining feature of all of them was simply that they would do anything to bring themselves glory. As a hobby student of history, I have read a lot about ancient Greek mythology. Uh, I find it very entertaining. Uh, and I'd love you to show me one that, a story that depicts the gods otherwise. And something that breaks that formula. And so, that's, so, they're, so, they're, so they're in this state of that's what gods look like. But then these Christians rock up and they're talking about Jesus' embarrassing, shameful crucifixion and going so far as to say that that event is the most glorious thing in human history. And the Greeks go, no, that's not what a God looks like. The Greeks wanted cool, persuasive argumentation for a glorious God. But the cross didn't give them that either. Instead, it looked like a foolish way of dying in a weak, unglorious moment. So again, to surmise, I've said the modern Australian thinks it's silly. I've said the ancient Jewish person thinks it's not the way it's supposed to happen. And the ancient Greek thought it was foolish. And we could point at those three things and dismiss Christianity altogether. Dismiss the cross in particular. Because if even the people at the time thought it was wild, then of course, so should we. But Paul, the guy writing this, he died for this. So did most of the other early followers of Jesus. They didn't gain anything from letters like this, from starting churches like this. No acclaim, no no girls, no money. Instead, they preached that Jesus was a crucified criminal They believed in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Jews and Gentiles, they heard that message. And that's why this letter exists. We heard the other week that we think that this isn't actually 1 Corinthians. We think this is the second one. Because Paul went and hung out with these guys for a year. And then they sent him a letter being like, what are we going to do? And he replied. And then they sent a letter. And then he replied. This is a a relationship between Christians, people that follow Jesus, So yes, there are people who think it's foolish, but there are a whole bunch of people who don't. 
And because of that, 2,000 years later, we're sitting in a factory or in our lounge rooms with a whole bunch of people who still believe that. For everyone else's, for everybody in here's context, I was talking to Eck uh, yesterday and found out that every week people are watching online on a really dodgy stream that crashes every week. But they rock up every week. There you guys, thank you. People around the world meet in secret because they still believe in the message of the cross. And so it begs the question that makes me smile. And if you've switched off, all good, the history stuff can... I get excited and so I spend a bit too much time on the history stuff and I get that. But if you're, if you're, if you're ready to switch back on, I'll bring you back in. Because this is my next point. Maybe it's all supposed to feel far-fetched. Maybe that's the plan all along. Verse 25, you can find that up for me, uh, Daniel. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Let's look at this, the first, first part of this little diagram. Daniel, if you can chuck the next slide up for me. This cross is the weakest thing that God ever did, sent himself as a man to die an embarrassing, shameful death. This seems like the biggest mistake because it is also, at the bottom, the most foolish thing about Christianity that if God is real, why would he do something like this? Something so, to the people at the time, genuinely moronic. (laughs) But we learn that the foolishness of God is wiser than anything we've got. And the weakness of God defeated death for everyone who believes in Him, which is a bigger display of strength you'll ever see here. So if you look at the next slide, we have in Jesus' weakness, we see the power of God. And in a foolish death, we see the wisdom of God. This is the gospel. That Jesus did something that made himself look foolish to save us from our, to be honest, foolish rebellion against God. He took a punishment that we deserve. That we are not strong enough to sort out on our own. Jesus made himself weak to defeat death once and for all. And so this cross becomes a sign of his power and his strength. But the Greeks want wisdom. The Jews want signs. We want clear, concise arguments. We want signs because wouldn't that be easier? We want a cool philosophy or a self-help book. We want to figure out a way to God on our own 2,000 years later. And that's what verse 21 is all about, if you glance at your Bible and want to read instead of listen. The story of Jesus, though, is not a niche collection of religious knowledge. It's not a slick, packaged philosophy. It's not a scheme for living a better life. Instead, it's a man who was the God of the universe, dying on a cross for us. 
you and me. It's an announcement about God's intervention in the world for the sake of the world. And so if that is the model of true wisdom, then we ask the same question that Paul does in verse 20. Where is the wise person? Where is the philosopher? Where where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? In verse 21, which I mentioned earlier, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. But where is the wise person today? Is he or she writing those self-help books I mentioned that we can buy off Amazon with pretty colorful illustrations and great infographics? Love to learn how to make an infographic. Are they behind a microphone in a podcast studio telling us about the new fandangled way to live? Whether it's actually an old get back to traditional way of living or some new age way of living? Is there wisdom in our parents? Is there wisdom in our mentors? Are our wise philosophers sitting in their universities doing philosophy degrees? Yes. That's what was happening 2,000 years ago. Plato started the first Western university for philosophy. That was his whole thing. And so he had, uh, and so so much so uh, that Um, his ideas caused one 20th century philosopher to describe all of Western philosophy as a series of footnotes to Plato. The philosophy we're still doing now is happening because of the philosophy, the ideas he came up with ages ago. That's really cool. Because these people, they, they are wise. There is real wisdom there. Like, I listed, I listed parents. I am never going to be the one on, up here to say that your parents aren't wise. Partially because that would not be great for my job, but partially because it's not true. Um, but the, the, there's a lot of wisdom out there. But the question is... But, but, but here's an interesting point about the... Here's an interesting point about the wisdom, sorry, that is out there. Uh, Paul quotes Isaiah at the start of this passage... Um, and he says, uh, it should come up on the screen, uh, the whole thing, let's read the whole thing, why not? These people come near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. So all their, all their worship of God, all their, all their wisdom is just based on human stuff. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. And so the question comes, the, the, the next point is then that we are astonished, astounded by wonder upon wonder that is actually the cross. And the wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Plato's wisdom is still getting talked about. But what we've been doing is talking about it and accepting some of it and rejecting some of it. And also learning that his wisdom, despite being pretty solid some of the time, doesn't save anyone. 
They're cool and interesting ways of looking at the world, but they don't do anything. I went out to dinner with a friend a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, he is a friend from uni, um, and we were sitting down. We are both about 24, 25. I don't know how old he is. I'm 24. We're about the same age. And he was saying that his work life has been nuts. Uh, we finished uni a few years ago now, and in the last few years, he'd, he's had probably five jobs. And so it's been like, whoa. It's probably that's, I think that's like five jobs in four years, if I'm getting my maths right. I don't know how, I don't know when. Three years? Thank you, Katie. And that's, that's a lot of jobs. And he sat down one day and he opened this really cool self-help book and he was telling me about it and he was saying genuinely it's changed his life because he's stuck in at this new job and he's got this book and he reckons that life is better than it's ever been and he, in, in, a moment of, in a moment of probably truthfulness he said to me, you know what, I, don't think, it's, I think it's all downhill from here, Ethan. I'm like, dude, you're 24. <laughs> But, but his, he, was, he was actually putting a lot of his mental health and a lot of his um, way of getting through life on this little book that he'd gotten. Now, I have no problems with mental health books and I have no problems with the amount of tips we can get from the world. They are awesome. There are people that are a lot smarter than me who have invested their lives in figuring out stuff that is helpful for us. However, they've invested their lives into figuring out how to make things helpful for us here. I wasn't able to say uh, in the context of the conversation that uh, it, was, it was a bit of a, that's really good for you, mate, that's really cool. But what I wanted to say was, I've got a self-help book. That's right here. But the same goes for the podcasts we're listening to. They're awesome, aren't they? I, I, I referenced a history one earlier. Uh, we have a few at church, like we're doing podcasts, I think they're great. Um, but if we're not preaching the cross of Christ... Our worldly wisdom won't save us. It might get us through the next few days. It might get us through our jobs. But it won't get us through eternity. That wisdom will vanish. Really importantly, this passage and me right now is not saying, I am not saying, stop reading and stop thinking. I'm not saying switch your brain off. I would never say that. The Bible never says that. Paul never says that. But Paul, in chapter 2, that we heard at the end of our reading, said this. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul, and now I, we're not saying don't read stuff. We're asking, where does your faith rests on human wisdom or on God's power. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, welcome. If you're looking for answers, are you looking for those in human wisdom? Or have you considered, God, 
and his power. For me, really honest, I really struggled to pull this sermon together, uh, particularly this bit. Um, and I was reflecting on that as I was writing it, uh, that I struggled to write this because, because of, yeah, because of this section. Because my personal faith is grounded a lot in rational thinking. As I was saying, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hobby student of history, uh, and that actually bleeds in heaps uh, to my personal faith journey. Uh, I, a lot of my early figuring out this stuff for my own was delving into history books and figuring out if all this is legit. Uh, so much of my, uh, my faith has been intellectual. And I feel like we can fall into that trap, particularly uh, the rational Western uh, perspectives. But interestingly, as I was thinking, I'm a rational dude. Uh, I love looking at history and I love philosophy and I love listening to people much smarter than me. But Paul is those things too when he was writing this. He was a scholar. He was a very, very intelligent man. Yes, he claims he didn't speak with eloquence. Um, There's a great story in Acts where a guy falls asleep in a windowsill and he dies because he was so bored. Um, it's a great story, look it up. Um, it is. Um, it's, it's great. Um, but he knows, Paul knows, that when he talks about Jesus, he has to rely on Jesus to change lives. Paul knows lots, but he resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified when he was leading his church. At Saw Revival, we say, why do we do what we do? Because we believe that Jesus changes everything. There's a big sign out the front. And why do we do it? Or how do we do it, sorry? We partner with Jesus to share the truth and love of Jesus to everyone, everywhere. With that in mind, 2,000 years later, sitting in Saw Revival Church, being a part of Saw Revival Church, Where does your faith rest? Not on my wisdom, probably, but maybe Stu's or Jai's or Paul's or Tim's or Braden's or Karen's or Joel's, on your Bible study leader or your celebrity preacher that you're onto right now or your favourite commentator, if you're really solidly reading. We are all here to help. All those people are here to help. And of course, we will provide as much information as we, as much information and wisdom as we can. But our faith as Christians rests not on human wisdom, but on God's power. If you're sitting here tonight, and the message of the cross seems foolish still, uh, C.S. Lewis has a great line in one of his books, where he says, "If you're struggling to believe, just do it." Just live it. Live like you believe. And you know what? You'll realize as you do that, that you believe because it's not foolish. Instead, it's powerful. Rest your faith on God instead of humans and you will see that. If you're sitting here as a Christian tonight, thinking, still thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, but it's, there's still bits that I'm like, you know what? That's kind of dumb. That's kind of foolish
so much so that I can't actually explain it. I don't know why God would want me to think like that or, or, or do stuff like that. My question is, no, sorry, the, the point is you're still a Christian, that's okay if you're having those thoughts. But are you confident in the gospel? Not are you a confident person to tell the gospel, that's okay. We, not all of us are confident enough to get up and preach, that's not what I'm saying. But are you confident in the gospel? In God's wisdom? If you're not, keep coming along. Keep serving. Keep reading. Keep remembering the cross. Keep having conversations with Christians. Because if you focus instead uh, of your own or my own knowledge, you won't go anywhere. But if you focus on the cross, you will see it as the power of God. So you don't need to be confident in you. You just need to be confident in your partnership with Jesus. Because then, then with the confidence given to us by the cross and our calling, verse 26, we all will get to partner with Jesus to share the truth and love of Jesus to everyone, everywhere. It isn't just Paul. It's not just those of us who preach up the front. We can all share this gospel. We, all of us here, Christians or no, you were called here tonight. Verse 26, not many of us were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Knowing that it doesn't matter who we are frees us to talk about what matters. So let's talk about the cross. Let's think about the cross. Let's feel the impact of the cross. Let's remember when we were called. And then verse 30, it's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Application. If you're writing stuff down. Verse 31. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's get stoked about how much God has done for us. Guys, it's the best. I honestly, I honestly think we forget sometimes we get trapped in these big analytical arguments and, and these deep apologetics and the thick tomes that we feel like we have to finish to properly understand verses 17 to 20. We get stuck in all of that and we forget that this is beautiful and this is fun. This is exciting. We sit here quietly on a... All right, one, one difference between preaching on a Saturday night and preaching on a Friday night is none of you guys talk. <laughs> it's super weird. Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. I'm really enjoying the whispering to each other because that's all I deal with on a Friday. But it also means that there's a reaction. Because I say stuff and people go, hmm. Versus say, me saying stuff and you guys going... And it's not a bad thing, it's okay. It's how, we, it's how we sit and listen, and that's okay. 
But it's also okay to smile in a sermon. Because this is exciting. This stuff should make us turn to the person at dinner sitting next to us and ask, why are you following him? I'm following him because he loves me and I love him too. The most foolish thing God ever did was the crucifixion. And it's on that cross we see his love and his power, but we also see, oh, did I spoil it? I meant to say, it's on the cross we see his wisdom and his power and his love. but we don't always have that reaction. And you know what? That's why he died. For you, for me, because we don't have that reaction all the time. We are separated from God. We are sinful. But he didn't want that. He didn't make us like that. He made us for a relationship with him. And this is him saying, look at the cross. See the power See the real wisdom and see the real love. And so we, like Paul, share it. Person to person, place to place, culture to culture, generation to generation, space to space, to everyone, everywhere. Because it's awesome to be a Christian. And that's okay. It doesn't matter who we are. We are loved by God. We can all have faith in God. If you don't have that faith tonight, what are you looking for? Are you looking for the cleverest answer? Are you looking for a sign? Have you ever thought that maybe you being here right now is a sign enough? because you're hearing about the most powerful thing to ever happen, ever. That is the cross. Maybe that's you being called. Maybe this is weirdly ticking boxes in your head of going, oh, actually, I understand. The stuff that we try and come up with everywhere else doesn't work. But this stuff does. This stuff seems to work. And you know what it does? And it works forever. Because the God of the universe died for you in an embarrassing, painful, shameful way. And it's kind of odd. And I agree with that. But it's true. And if you believe it's true, it's the best news you'll ever hear. And it'll change your life. I'm going to pray. Uh, and then uh, we'll get into the rest of it. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the confident Christians sitting here tonight, those of us who look at your cross and see the power and wisdom and love in your sacrifice. Empower them to share your gospel, get excited about your gospel, and see the joy in your good news. Lord, thank you for the Christians here who are still trying to work everything out. They believe in you, but they're not confident in you. We all have those days. Thank you for Jesus and for the cross, which makes us doubt our doubts and frees us from fear. Lord, may they rest their faith on you and see that in your weakness, they are strong. Lord, thank you for those sitting here and the message of the cross still seems foolish. 
seems absurd, seems like nonsense. Thank you that they're here. May they take this opportunity to look at the cross and see in your people that through the wisdom of this world, they cannot know you and cannot be with you for eternity. Help them know you by looking at the cross. Amen.